2: So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call clickGranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.
3: Cracking the code on how you can optimize, personalize, and monetize your app marketing and mobile growth efforts. Welcome to Mobile Presence, hosted by Peggy Ann Saltz. Peggy, a top 30 mobile marketing influencer, nine-time author, and content strategist, brings you her pick of tech, trends, guests, and cool stuff to help you drive growth and create deep connections with your customers. Now, prepare to get motivated and activated with our host,
0: Welcome to Mobile Presence. I'm your host, Peggy Ann Saltz with Mobile Groove, where I plan, produce, and promote content that allows my clients to reach performance goals and scale growth and growth. Growth is what it's all about here at Mobile Presence. It's about growing your app, growing your audience, doing what you need to do to reach those KPIs, to increase performance, and ultimately to be successful, to be a great mobile marketer and this is where you can get the inside track on all of this because we talk to the UA experts. This is part of their daily job and this is our mini series inside of mobile presence where we focus on mobile heroes, people who are accomplished mobile app marketers It's a talent that has earned them the title of mobile hero as chosen by Liftoff, a full service mobile app marketing and retargeting platform. And we bring the mobile heroes to you on a biweekly basis, pretty much most of the year. And we're going to look today at a big topic out there. You're going to be seeing a lot more about it, ad fraud in all its shapes and sizes, forms and formats. And to give you a crash course in how to fight, combat ad fraud in all of its ways in your app is Tyler Cooper. He's head of user acquisition at TextNow. And Tyler, it is great to have you on Mobile Presence. So we've known each other a few times before a few other conferences, and now we get to talk shop here on Mobile Presence. Great to have you. Great to be on. As I said, talking shop, because I have to say we met last year, and um, this was exactly what we were talking about. We were talking about ad fraud, and I was excited about a couple of your shortcuts. We'll be perhaps hearing a little bit more about that today. But first of all, Tell me about what you do over there at TextNow. What's your daily routine? Sure. So uh, I've been
1: at TextNow for a little over three years now. Uh, we are a calling and texting platform that allows people of any budget to be able to stay in touch with their friends and family. Uh, TextNow provides people with a free phone number in their local area code. Uh, that's part of our app. And uh, call people. You can send picture messages. It works on your phone. It works on your uh, PC, your desktop. Um So you know, we see ourselves as kind of a communication platform and most importantly, we're not uh, in network. You can communicate with anyone um, regardless of whether or not they have text now. Uh, And Mm -hmm. as far as my day-to-day, it involves uh, trying to get more people to join our platform. So I'm our head of user acquisition, as you mentioned. I have a small team here. Um, We allocate ad dollars uh, across. At this point, I think we've tested up to about 90 different partners um, to try to find those little pockets of inventory that will drive new high quality users to our app um, and get them to not only download and register, but also retain for a long period of time um, so that we're able to recoup the costs of acquiring them. Um, our business model is primarily focused on in-app advertising rather than direct purchases. So um, what really matters to us isn't just people who download the app once and then disappear, but people, of course, who download the app and continue to stay engaged. Um, mm-hmm. And that's why you know ad fraud is such a, a problem for us that, you know, it might be easy to get that quick download, but you need to make sure that um, the users you're downloading are actually able to maintain usage for the app for a long period of time so that we're able to uh, you know, monetize and provide a good experience for them.
0: And also that's what I'm hearing, you know, it's all about high value users. So to your point, yeah, it's great to get them to download once, but um, why is it so important? I mean, we've been talking about ad fraud in the industry for, for a while, but it has perhaps new importance now because of the focus on things deeper in the funnel? You know, ad fraud is more of a problem for you?
1: Well, I was just at the AppsFlyer uh, uh, Mama conference the uh, mm-hmm. the other day, and they said that it, their estimates are that about 30% of all Android installs are bogus. I mean, it depends on the market. Um, mm-hmm. Certainly in countries like Indonesia and Brazil, they have much higher uh, ad fraud rates than elsewhere. But um, even in the U.S., they're estimating that something like 20% of all Android installs um, are what they are, are basically bots. They are someone who's inserted a little piece of code into a utility app, and then they're, every time uh, somebody logs into that utility app, or even if it's running in the background, um, they're able to gather user data around what kind of normal behavior looks like and then try to simulate that for a new app install that comes through. And some of these bots can be pretty sophisticated. And if you're losing somewhere between 20 and 30% of all installs to a uh, Bot traffic. I mean, that could be your entire profit margin right there. Most people operate with they spend a dollar, they try to pull in a dollar twenty, dollar thirty. But if that twenty and thirty is fake, then um, essentially you're not getting anywhere with your business. So it's definitely critical to try to smash the uh, bots as they come through your system, or else you'll just be losing money.
0: I'm I'm just you could if you could see me here. I'm just shaking my head because I didn't realize it was that big a percentage of um, Android downloads, as you said, but you just came back from the Apps Fire conference. Of course, they, being a mobile measurement uh, provider platform, they, they know what they're seeing. Um, huge problem. We're going to talk about how to combat ad fraud. But I'm just curious, just stepping back for a moment, you know, you've written a blog about this. We'll be telling our listeners about it later and also giving that link in the show notes. But uh, at a high level, you divide ad fraud into two main categories of fraud. That's maybe a better way to look at it because it's it's manageable like that. Because I've read reports, sure. you know, there's nine different types and there's this and there's that, and you can get very, very confused. So I love the fact you've got down to two categories. So define that for me. Let's start with those two types of fraud that app marketers need to be watching.
1: Sure. So there are essentially um, two ways to claim credit as an ad par- network partner. So... Um, I'm you know, the fraudulent pub- publisher, I want to claim that a bunch of installs came from uh, the ads that you paid for. So I can either create an entirely fake person. This is where, um, and I mentioned earlier with the bots, essentially, I'm finding some device ID out in the ecosystem, um, I'm deciding to pretend that the TextNow app had been installed on it, and they started firing events for retention based off of that particular device ID. Um, if I were to actually dig deeper into the system and try to find evidence of this customer having sent any text messages, they might not exist. But if the network is trying to provide high retention users, maybe they can simulate an app open. You do that enough times, um, and it, it starts to simulate real activity. Um, this is the kind of the first type of fraud that people think about. They say, oh, well, this is a fake person. Um, they are not, this isn't like actual human activity. So we know that it's fake, um, you can dig deeper and find that, you know, there's some patterns that will be off. Um,
0: mm-hmm. so essentially.
1: Um,
0: so you're, you're looking for something that isn't, that, you know, it's meant to be human-like, it's programmed, bot is programmed to be human-like. And you're looking for what isn't human-like basically in those patterns, right?
1: Essentially. Yeah. I mean, you're looking for mm-hmm. what is normal behavior and what is admirable behavior. Um, and if you are, have a good baseline for normal behavior and you're able to look at uh, a bot, especially from a cohort of bots, you can see, unusual pattern patterns of post install behavior
0: mm-hmm. uh, there's also
1: another type of fraud which is um, the misattribution so the customers are real but they're coming from another source. So in this case um, oftentimes the, the cause of this will be what's called click spamming or modified click spamming so essentially the network is they have lots of information around device IDs so They figure that some of the because for example textnow is such a large app, that, and we have, uh, you know, we're advertising pretty aggressively, and we're, you know, expanding into a new territory, so they say, well, organically, a lot of people are going to download the TextNow app anyway. So if I just send enough clicks from enough devices, then eventually I can trick the mobile measurement partner into thinking that this click happened just before an install uh, of a user who either had organi- organically downloaded the app, or had downloaded through another marketing partner. So um, we have seen this a lot in the past, where a given network might claim millions of clicks in a week, uh, which is a lot when you consider how often people actually intentionally choose to click on ads or tap on ads, as the case may be. Um, And then you look at the underlying data and say, well, does it really seem plausible that for the amount of budget that I allocated to this campaign, the network was able to run enough ads to generate millions of clicks? Uh, And in that case, you will see what appears to be totally normal behavior. Um, Any kind of detection based around post-install behavior would not necessarily be indicative of, oh, this customer looks clearly fake. They are a real customer. In fact, they are one of your customers you've probably already paid for somewhere else. And that's the real danger you can run into with this type of fraud, where a network is claiming an install that really doesn't belong to them.
0: And that happens more frequently, do you think, now than before? Uh, Because, Because a lot of marketers are watching this, but I'm still hearing that it's a huge issue so I'm wondering you know um when you call an ad network on this you know is it difficult to make that argument or easier now
1: it, it's a balanced thing actually I mean, you ha- you certainly have networks who specialize in being fraudulent um, I can you know bring this name up just because they've already disintegrated but there was a network called mundo media they're actually based out of Toronto and they were engaged in this type of behavior the company actually had to was sued by many of their advertisers and went out of business a few months ago. Uh, You can put that up. So um, they were engaged in pretty, yeah, they shut down, I think it was in April and they were engaged. They had, they claimed they have 30,000 publishers and they claimed to have all these different uh, new unique traffic sources. But when you would start to dig in deeper into the data, we noticed that the the patterns of click behavior just seemed to be off. So we stopped working with them. uh, And then I wasn't that surprised to find that they'd gone out of business. So it's, it's definitely quite common. Uh, this Again, I'm just taking the stat from the that AppSolar conference last week. They say that about 80% of all Android fraud consists of bot activity. So it's essentially people faking post-install activity. And 80% of iOS fraud consisted of click spamming. Uh, it's much more difficult to emulate the iOS devices. There's some better security. Android, of course, being more of an open source platform, you it's more easy to generate the fake bot activity. So... Depending on the platform, you might have different patterns of fraudulent behavior. And that's something to keep out for as well. But it's definitely when you see very, very high click numbers. I mean, you're talking millions, tens of millions. I had one network claim, what was it, about 200 million clicks in a month, which is essentially one click for every adult in America. And I came back with the numbers and I looked at this and I thought, this is just implausible. There isn't enough ad traffic out there, especially given that uh, our initial invoice would have only been for several tens of thousands of dollars. There's no way you can buy. Two hundred million clicks for twenty thousand dollars.
0: Now, when it's it's usually that rule, you know, when it's too good to be true, it usually isn't, and that is goes doubly true for for mobile app marketing. We do have to go to break, Tyler, but listeners, you can see we're going to be deep diving into how you can tell suspicious behavior in your app and what you need to do about it. So don't go away. We'll be right back.
3: Mobile presence will be back after we connect you to our sponsors.
2: It passes before it's noticed, a slight rising of the eyebrows, a widening of the eyes. It may be accompanied by an almost imperceptible inhalation. The heart adds a beat like a quiet exclamation point on the experience. Within a 10th of a second, the reaction has passed, but not without leaving its mark. Someone found what they're looking for. Does your website deliver impulses to act? It can. Intended Consequences is the podcast for digital marketers who see their job as changing hearts and minds. If you're frustrated, bored, or in a rut, it's time to spread your wings with me, Brian Massey, and my guests. Find out how successful, curious, creative, and data-driven marketers are making a difference on purpose. Visit IntendedPodcast.com or find us where you get your podcasts, Intended Consequences,
4: marketing on purpose. Miami may be the sun and fun capital of the world, but it's also home to the largest literary festival in the U.S. Don't miss the Miami Book Fair, a week-long festival featuring more than 600 authors from all over the world with readings, signings, and panels capped off by a three-day street fair. Find books in English, Spanish, and Creole for every interest and every age, from biographies and novels to poetry and comics. This year, come meet poets Richard Blanco, Reginald Dwayne Betts, and Joy Harjo. Award-winning novelists T.C. Boyle, Susan Choi, Edwidge Danticat, Taya Obrad, Julie Oranger, Leonard Pitts, and Karen Russell. Plus, authors exploring issues of the day such as Eve Ensler, Alex Kotlitz, Danny Shapiro, Daryl Pickney, Ambassador Samantha Power, George Wilt, and hundreds more take the little ones to children's alley for hands-on activities characters and storytelling enjoy music food and fun for the whole family right on the downtown miami dade college campus november 17th to the 24th for details schedules and tickets visit miamibookfair.com webmasterradio.fm is the destination for education entertainment and engagement
3: Supercharging your mobile growth efforts. Welcome back to Mobile Presence on Webmaster Radio.fm. Here is your host, Peggy Ann Saltz.
0: And we're back to Mobile Presence. We have Tyler Cooper, Head of User Acquisition at TechSnow. And Tyler, right before the break, we were talking about. Ad fraud, you know, it is a massive problem. We talked about it being a growing problem. You have some numbers from AppsFlyer. I have some as well from AppsFlyer. Estimates in the first half of 2019 alone, mobile ad fraud cost marketers over $2.3 billion and nearly one in four paid installs were fraudulent. So we know it's a huge problem. We have some numbers that give us the range, but let's just talk about the, the tech stack to combat this. You know, What do you need to have, I'll call it the anti-fraud tech stack, right? We talk about the growth stack. We'll talk about the tech stack for this. What are some of the parts in this? Because in order to combat fraud, you have to be equipped in the first place. So what would you suggest?
1: Well, right off the bat, uh, everyone works with an MMP, a mobile measurement partner, who's able to both attribute installs properly, as well as find networks that are attempting to... uh, attribute installs improperly. So Mm -hmm. in the case of uh, TextNow, we actually use Adjust. They have a fraud prevention suite that detects um, several different types of fraud, things like device farms. Those are the bots we mentioned earlier. Uh, SDK spoofing, where an SDK that has been implemented in the app is trying to fake an install and signals at scale, uh, where they're kind of generating a lot of uh, essentially post-install events that aren't real. Click spamming, as we'd mentioned, where a network will send out tens of thousands, millions of clicks, what they'll, well beyond what they're actually buying in order to try to take credit for installs that aren't there. Uh, so we certainly use Adjust as the starting place to combat fraud, and they definitely catch significant amounts of it. Uh, even with networks that we trust and have worked with for a while, we'll still see some small percentage of installs come through that need to be rejected uh, for various reasons. So definitely talk to your measurement partner, make sure that they have all their fraud tools uh, up in place, and you should be able to get a first sweep of detecting a decent amount of what's going through. So
0: Mm -hmm.
1: right off the bat, just by working with a mobile measurement partner and integrating with their existing fraud detection tool, you should be able to combat a sizable amount of uh, the fraudulent activity. That being said, that's only a first step. Um, You will still want to have an existing system in place that helps you define what does normal behavior look like. And I speak about this in my blog, where it's best to run a small test for the network that you've worked with in the past and trust, uh, or just one that other people have given you social proof to prove, hey, this is someone that we could trust and will actually drive uh, decent high-quality users. Um, And that small test will tell you things like, what does a normal click-through rate look like? What does a normal conversion rate look like? Uh, What does the normal rate of retention uh, for our customers look like? You can compare that against your organics. Typically, a non-network will have users who are you know, within a fairly narrow range of what your organics look like. If your day one retention rate is 40% and your new multi- your new network says that their day one retention is 80% or 8%, that could be a problem. Uh, if you're doing twice as well or, you know, a, a small fraction as well as what you expect your customers to behave like, that could be a sign that, you know, fraud is a really strong word. Maybe they're just buying users from uh, sites that are poorly aligned with your customer's use case. If you're advertising, you know, uh, a kid's game to men in their 50s, maybe there wouldn't be a strong uh, affinity for it. So they might download the app and then not retain once they realize that it's too cutesy. So it's certainly possible that um, your ads might just be mistargeted. But that's still something you'd want to watch out for. If your ads are not driving value for you, then obviously you want to rearrange your budgets.
0: And and just to be clear on this part of the tech stack, this is what you need to do. Are there any tools or any shortcuts here that you can recommend? Sure. So
1: one thing that we had recently integrated with um, is a company called Scalar, S-C-A-L-A-R-R. I'm sure you'll have that in your notes somewhere. Okay. They are an additional fraud detection layer. So they go beyond just what the mobile management partner does or what your own kind of definitions of normal would be this third-party tool allows us to really dig into um, in particular modified click spamming uh, which will essentially create an abnormal click time to install distribution which very technical and um, for if you're having uh, a new person just coming in they go huh what's that well it's essentially it's there's some normal curve between seconds after someone taps on an ad and when they install the app if a very large number of people claim to be launching a two gigabyte app after three seconds, that's probably suspicious. You can't download something that quick. If the network is saying that, you know, half of all their installs are happening a day after the click, that's also suspicious. Typically when people go through the intent-driven experience of tapping on an ad, clicking on the download uh, feature and downloading the app, they're likely to open it relatively quickly. So certainly there is a, a long curve of people who take a while to launch an app after that initial period. But if the distribution is too off, um, if you don't see, if normally people take around five minutes to go between tapping on an ad and launching the app, if you see too many of the installs happening either way too quickly right after that tap or way too far out from that initial tap, then that can be a sign of um, suspicious behavior. And that's what uh, our scalar tool is able to do. They're essentially looking at they they run for the first month. They gather lots of data on what your normal behavior of tapped install looks like. And then they'll able to uh, scrub out installs that are happening outside of that normal window if there's too many of them. Um, the way, the best way to solve something like this would be looking at a bunch of complicated graphs, which are not great for a podcast format. But um, suffice it to say that you definitely want to look at your normal behavior of you know, tap to install times and, and see what your normal distribution looks like. And if you have... Uh, and Scalar helps us to identify what normal looks like so we can find abnormal.
0: I, I get it completely. You know, you're like making a bell curve out of this particular part of behavior and you're saying, okay, this is where it all usually happens and this is not and this is not and scrub them out. And then also have an argument for your ad partner to say, look, this could not have been the case um, and you have something to back it up. Is it only for that that point, you know, that, that time between tap, an install, or can you use this on other moments, um, you know, sort of in the journey to just say, yes, this is a real user as opposed to this is fraud?
1: They are definitely looking at other behaviors as well. Um, Mm -hmm. abnormal engagement behavior. um, If there are too many VPN-based installs, you have too many people with anonymous IP addresses that can be suspicious. Oh, yeah. also uh, be looking at things like, um, again, those smart bots and bot farms. Um, although in the case of the bots, they've, they're usually pretty obvious. So you don't necessarily need to layer in another tool for that. But if you're really new coming into this and you're not sure how to identify that behavior, then definitely building out that tech stack can be helpful.
0: So the tech stack is one part of it, um, which is... Ex- extremely key. I'm just curious, you yourself, Tyler, I mean, I know you for a while now, and I know that you also, um, you know, love to innovate on your own. Is this something that marketers need to do or automate? I mean, is it something where I have to sit down and also think of new ways to do things or all the tools there, or are there still some gaps where I'm going to have to glue it together. I guess the question is the role of marketing automation, the role of AI in all of this, you know, uh, we don't have it all stitched together yet. I don't know how you approach it, but how do you see the role of that?
1: Uh, Stepping back slightly on that question, I would, as a higher level, the reason you want to bring in another third-party tool is Mm -hmm. you need a neutral arbiter. So Mm -hmm. uh, from the point of view of the publisher, they want to take credit for as many installs as they can possibly claim. From the point of view of the advertiser, they want to take credit for as few installs as they can possibly claim to reduce their bill. So when you just have that conversation between the marketer and the person who sold the ads to you, it's always a contentious relationship. That's often why ad agencies exist in the first place is that um, you know new buyers are reluctant to get into these long-heated battles with existing publishing partners. Uh, and the agencies also have an incentive to make sure that their publishers are happy that if they fight too much on fraud and they, they they allow too many false positives to come through, then, you know, they're, they're not going to have business in the long run. Nobody will want to work with them. So it's definitely a balancing act. Uh, it's often, you know, oh, cut out the middlemen, you know, get rid of all these extra layers and bureaucrats and do everything yourself in house. There is sometimes a value to having that neutral arbiter come in as a third party and say, look, we're trying to balance the needs of both parties here. We're looking at aggregates of data across multiple partners, not just one app or one publisher. So we're able to kind of as a higher level, um, get a better sense of what's going on. Uh, and there is, you know, obviously some value there.
0: Mm-hmm. And uh, just curious for yourself, is this something that uh, that you believe you can do or that mobile marketers can do with the tools that are out there? Or is there, are there still some gaps that you're finding you have to fill with, you know, with what you know, with, uh, with um, sort of like I want to say sort of homemade <laughs> solutions, but not duct taping them together. I don't want to put that in as a thought, but uh, you know, it doesn't all work yet, does it? And so there are places where we need to, uh, where the, where the marketer has to um, bridge it somehow.
1: When from the a, a marketer will need to, you know, have be able to essentially be their own fraud detection bot as well. Not everything is mm-hmm. going to be caught by a third party tool.
3: That's and they also I mean. need
1: to be able to identify um, false positives. That there could be differences in the in the mix of the partners that you work with. You might have some partners that are uh, heavily view and video based, where you are expecting to drive some of what of an organic uplift. So you wouldn't expect there to be the same behavior in terms of click to install or view to install behavior as you would from say a, a search ad on. Apple search where you would have that direct link in place, putting it right in front of the customer direct driven, Uh, different traffic partners will have different uh, click to install behavior and just sort of general post install behavior as well. So the marketer needs to understand how different traffic sources will generate different types of user and different types of behavior from uh, the user's install journey. So Mm -hmm. you don't necessarily want to outsource everything and just hope that their algorithm will just put everything together and look at it. Holistically, you do have, sometimes you'll have nuance in your different traffic partners, uh, and you might not want to shut down things that uh, are being flagged as fraudulent and inappropriately.
0: That's what I meant. There's still an element, a very important element of human judgment in this. And Tyler, we do have to go to break again. But when we get back, we'll be talking about the place of the human, the future of AI, and maybe also a couple of your tips around how to establish baselines that work. So lots of reasons to come back, listeners. Don't go away. We'll be right back.
3: Mobile Presence will be back after we connect you to our sponsors. Do you look at the task of ranking your site at the top of the search engines like you would climbing the top of Mount Everest? It doesn't have to be. TopSEOs.com knows how hard that climb can be, and they can make top ranking a reality.
4: This is WebmasterRadio.fm. WebmasterRadio.fm. We're everywhere.
3: Supercharging your mobile growth efforts. Welcome back to Mobile Presence on WebmasterRadio.fm. Here is your host, Peggy Ann Saltz.
0: And we're back to Mobile Presence. I'm Peggy Ann Saltz, and we have Tyler Cooper, Head of User Acquisition at TextNow, and also a mobile hero because of your accomplishments in mobile marketing. And, of course, one of your other accomplishments, I think, is, I don't know, was it your first blog, Tyler? I'm just curious. Uh, I think I've had a few blog posts before. before? Thinking, uh, okay. Some smaller
1: ones where I've had some Q&A sessions with uh, uh, people, but I don't think I've ever written anything directly like this.
0: Well, I I've looked at it uh, over on your page over at Liftoff for the Mobile Heroes, and I have to say it is really well done. And in particular, you don't just sort of dwell on ad fraud as we know it, talking about the suspicious behavior and that sort of thing. But you get out to another area that we also have to be concerned, which is which is misattribution. It's not fraud per se, but it's something you need to watch, and more importantly, you need to check because it isn't intended but, you know, impact is significant. So I'd like to hear uh, about search engine marketing and how you approach that and uh, some of your tips from your blog. Sure.
1: So in the case of search engine marketing, we have to realize that Google is the largest by far ad network in this entire space. Something like 37% of all marketing dollars spent on mobile are spent through Google. Uh, That's why Google is one of the richest companies in the world. They've really mastered this space. They know how to get a specific ad unit in front of a customer who's likely to click on it and then download the app. Uh, so you think, okay, Google, I can trust them. Everything works just fine. Well, technically, yes, you can trust them. They're, they're probably not engaged in click spamming or bot traffic that they don't need to do that. What they they have the Google Play Store itself. They know the direct data that comes from their own system. They know that if somebody sees an ad and then taps on it within the seven day window or whatever window we've uh, set with them, that we're able to identify the installs appropriately. The downside is that Google is not the only ad partner that you're working with. So if you're working with multiple ad partners, it's possible that, for example, somebody saw an ad on your third party display network, maybe app they say, oh, this is interesting. They then search on Google Play, they say, what is this texting app? So they search, they type in text now texting app, Our Google ad will pop up to the front because they've picked a very keyword rich uh, search that is very related to what we're looking for. They see the text now ad, they click on that ad and they download the app. Well, who should get credit? And that's kind mm-hmm. of an open question in this space that there's no single journey where one customer sees one ad and then instantly becomes a loyal customer. right Often oftentimes it requires multiple touches. No one has, to my belief, put together a, a perfect model for how to give partial credit to every publisher, but there can definitely be an issue where multiple networks will claim try to claim credit for the same install. The mobile measurement partner, if you're using a last click attribution, would pick a specific network to give credit to. But from the point of view of Google, well, they saw a customer come in, click on one of their ads, and then launch the app. So they're also going to claim credit. So because Google is what's called a self-attributed network, they might take credit for installs that potentially don't belong to them. They have to belong to some other third party where we'd invested more and put maybe a large video ad in front of them before they did the search. So so long as self-attributed networks exist, there's always going to be somewhat of a, a mismatch between the number of installs that Google will claim and the number of installs that, say, AdJust just would claim that uh, Google should have. That's an ongoing issue um, in this space. So it happens not just with Google, but certainly Facebook and Apple search ads as well. Uh, there's also an issue of organic poaching. So this isn't so much that multiple ad networks are trying to claim credit for the same user. But imagine that user experience again, where someone is merely looking for a texting app. They've never seen a now ad before. They go into Google and search texting app. Now, for that particular keyword, we may very well be ranked number one organically. It's a common problem with search engine marketing where your organic rank could be at the very top, but you still run an ad on top of it. So essentially, they're seeing two placements for the same product. Now, from the customer's point of view, they say, okay, this is great. They click on the ad, they download the app. Now, there's always uh, an unwritten uh, rule here of Could that customer have downloaded your product that was on the top of the listing without that ad? And in many cases, yes. So you're now essentially buying your own organics. And as you ramp up your marketing budgets on search, say your total number of paid installs from search marketing goes up by 100, the number of organic installs you have every day drops by 10. So on net, your campaign actually only drove 90 installs. Some of the installs that you purchased, you would have gotten organically. Uh, this is kind of organic poaching or misattribution. Um, it's very difficult to build a, a perfect model for this. You have to kind of run some small tests, slowly ramp up budgets, see what happens to organics. Um, it's a big challenge in this space, but it's definitely something you want to keep an eye on, especially if you plan on ramping up search engine marketing uh, very aggressively, very quickly. You will see a drop in organics, potentially. They could be concerning and at that point, you'd want to look at, well, what is my net increase in total installs? So it requires a little more math on your part, and you may result in not only the self-attributed network claiming more installs than they saw because they're essentially taking them from other partners, but they're also claiming organics. So you'd want to look at, you know, the network might be claiming a certain number of installs, but you would actually want to give them credit for slightly less than that in terms of how you calculate ROI. The challenge with this is that, unlike with some of the third-party display networks, You can't really go back to Google and say, well, hey, I want 10% of my money back because 10% of those users would have been organics that you essentially poached anyway. So given that you can't really go back to Google and demand uh, money back, that's not really how they operate. You just want to kind of make a a note of that when you're doing your yield calculations. So in this case, again, you would say my real cost per install is actually whatever I paid for the 100 installs divided by the 90 that I actually got. Uh, And that can be a challenge to do and can create some additional math and the number is never that clean. It's never, oh, exactly 10% all the time. It will fluctuate. So it's something to keep an eye on and something to watch out for. uh, But it's definitely a concern for marketers as they start to move into uh, search engine marketing.
0: Bring up some great points there. I mean, it's literally uh, something where our listeners, you know, taking notes or making note of that, but you can read it over on your blog. We have run out of time, Tyler. I would love to hear from you what's next for you. But I think what we're going to have to do is bring you back a second time if you're open to that. I'd sure. love to have you on the show again. I think this was very informative. I mean, one of the shows where I know that there are, you've raised more questions than we've been able to answer in this short period of time, which is why I'm going to ask you um, how our listeners can stay in touch with you because you may have just kicked <laughs> something loose here, where it's people like, "Wait, I have a question. I want to ask Tyler this. How can they do that? Is that LinkedIn? Is that?" Uh,
1: sure, you can reach me on. Uh, you can reach me on LinkedIn. Um, I'll generally accept invites, especially if you call out uh, this podcast, and I'll, I'll know that it's someone that uh, has an interesting question for me. You can also reach out to me on the uh, Mobile Heroes Liftoff Slack channel. I think uh, many of your listeners might be members of that uh, channel, uh, and you could also email me as well. Uh, Tyler.cooper at textnow.com. Uh, be happy to answer any questions or kind of follow up and see maybe if there's some way we could do business together.
0: Absolutely. I will absolutely have you back. In fact, you're not going anywhere because right after this show, I'm going to ask you to be back and talk about more about this. But in the meantime, my friends, this is a wrap. And of course, if you want to read up on Tyler or any of the other mobile heroes in the series, you can check out their dedicated page over at heroes.liftoff.io. If you want to keep up with me throughout the week or find out how you can be a guest or sponsor on Mobile Presence, then you can email me, Peggy, Peggy at MobileGroove.com. And that might friends, is a wrap of yet another episode of Mobile Presence, as I stated, and you can always check out earlier episodes by going to webmasterradio.fm or on iTunes, Stitcher, Spreaker, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. Go to any of them. Look for Mobile Presence. So until next time, remember, every minute is mobile, so make every minute count. We'll see you soon.
4: The opinions expressed on this program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of WebmasterRadio.fm's management or sponsors. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without authorized consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited.
0: This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes